I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to History Becomes Her, a mashable podcast about women making history right now and the women who paved the way for them. I'm your host, Rachel Thompson, senior reporter at Mashable. And I'm Jess Joho, a Los Angeles staff writer at Mashable. I'll be hosting this week's episode of History Becomes Her. And today we're talking to Akila Hughes, comedian, author of Obviously, Stories from My Timeline, and co-host of Crooked Media's daily news podcast, What a Day. Podcasting has a representation problem. There are more podcasts than ever before, but women and people of color are still sorely underrepresented as hosts, especially when it comes to daily news. As the What A Day co-host, Akila brings an approach to political discourse you'll be hard-pressed to find anywhere else. In an era of political chaos, she's a voice of clarity, finding the heart of what matters in the span of about 20 minutes. Notably, we happened to record our interview back in February, during Black History Month and when the Democratic primaries were in full swing. For those keeping track of the short few months that seem to go by in decades now, that was before coronavirus and before the international protests that are happening in response to the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police. But Akilah's words have a timeless resonance. So... Be sure to listen to her not only here this week, but on What A Day, where she somehow finds a way to make sense of the senseless and unimaginable news we're living through. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm a writer, comedian, and podcast host of What A Day from Crooked Media. So this is a podcast about women making history right now. Mm-hmm. Who inspires you? Is there a woman from the past or present who had a big impact on your life? Yes. I mean, inadvertently. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk today about Constance Baker Motley. Uh, this woman was an amazing American, an African-American civil rights activist. Uh, so, you know, she was a lawyer. She was a judge. She was a state senator. Another cool fact about Constance. Um, so she was the first black woman that became the president of Manhattan as a borough, which, you know, if you're not from New York or you haven't lived there, you're like, okay, like, so she's not the mayor. Like, what does that mean? Um, It basically means that, like, the mayor had to confer with her about Mm. what people wanted in Manhattan. And this was happening, you know, in the 60s, the 60s. (laughs) Just had to check my my notes. So it's like, this is, you know, a fraught time for racial relations, although obviously New York has been more progressive. I've seen Mad Men. (laughs) And, uh, but I think like having a position of power that says like the 
literal residents of Manhattan, the most diverse island in this country, uh, defer to me to like relay their concerns and their beliefs and whatever else, you know, of course, I think fighting for um, Brown versus Board of Education and being like a Southern District of New York, of New York, um, of New York, of New York <laughs> uh, judge, like all of that is obviously important. But I think that like, to me, that sort of speaks to her on a personal level and like how clearly she was inspiring people outside of being a lawyer who's working long hours drafting articles for this case. Um, she's just like, a likable lady that people are like, can you help us? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that that's, you know, I would love, it's like winning Miss Congeniality yes. in a way. And I think that that's, <laughs> that speaks to me as a person who just wants to be liked. <laughs> um, but I think the thing that really struck me was that she was the assistant attorney to Thurgood Marshall arguing the case, uh, Brown versus the board of education, which we all know desegregated schools in this country. And, I am a person who fervently believes in education, so I think that she's someone we're celebrating that we never hear about. <laughs> never. And I, yeah, that was like something that, you know, so often in our education system in America, um, <laughs> when we talk about historic women and who gets to be included, it's right. almost exclusively white women. Oh, for sure. Did you feel like that was kind of your experience, especially, uh, you know, you grew up in the South? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. I mean, totally. I felt like you know, they say that there are like two versions of textbooks. Yes. There's a Texas version yes. and like whatever the more progressive state is. I'm from Kentucky. We definitely had, you know, books that said there was a such thing as benevolent slavery. And, you no. know, like Martin Luther King was the only person that mattered. And he died for us to like, like he's like a martyr for us. Like that's why he died. Like as if he was Jesus to die for our sins. He died <laughs> to end racism. And now we are post-racism. I mean, truly just bullshit fake history and so I honestly wasn't super familiar with her but I knew I wanted to talk about someone from the civil rights era and I was actually thinking of someone else who was not from the civil rights era and her name came up and then I just fell down this rabbit hole of wow this person I mean truly is an architect of the racial justice we have seen since the 1960s. And I think that that's just cool. Yeah. And I think it's like a especially poignant right now to, you know, show someone who actually in our current, um, you know, justice system and what's happening right now, mm -hmm. um, that she really made an impact and like to not lose hope that people can make that impact. Yeah. <laughs> it's also funny because it's like, we all know who Thurgood Marshall is, right? Mm -hmm. Of course uh, we don't know the woman behind her. Right, yeah. of course not. Of course not. Hidden figures, but literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obscured figures <laughs> in history. So yeah, to just to shift to, you know, what you do with Crooked Media yeah. um, on, you know, what a day. Uh, you cover the news on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. First of all, are you okay? I mean, it's <laughs> a really good question. The jury is out. I mean, I, I definitely think it is more stressful. And look, I was under no illusion that this would be a very easy job. I know that we're living in peak news time. But I think what I maybe hadn't recognized was that my job isn't just to read the news all day. It's to understand it and be able to explain it back. Right which means I have all of the ugly details. Mm -hmm. And then I get, you know, caught up in one detail of something that is very painful and ugly and horrible in the time we're living in. And it's like, we actually have 15 minutes to do the show, so we can't really get into all of that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. so I just have to sit with it? Right. <laughs> I just have to go home right. and like, I don't know, light a joint, <laughs> think um, about it? Please do light all the joints you need to um, for the good of the people. Yes, for the greater good. <laughs> um, have you started to develop kind of 
I hate to say the word self-care, but yeah, like taking care of yourself while still being engaged. I think that's a problem most people are having right now. Not mm-hmm. to the extent you are. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm not especially distraught. I, I think the entire world feels stagnant because we are overloaded with information. Mm-hmm. But I find that... Um, you know, when I'm doing the job, and even before I had this job, I was always on my phone. I was either reading news on Twitter, or I was scrolling through Instagram, or I was looking at Pinterest, or whatever. I was just on my phone. And now, the only way I can just disconnect from that and, like, feel like a different person is to play video games. Hell yeah! <laughs> because you can't look at your phone. Like, you can't, yes. you have to pause, and you're like, I'm in the middle of, like, a mission. Like, I just can't stop. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing stuff. So, yeah, I mean, also you mentioned like, you know, what is most important to you when it comes to uh, what you talk about or how you talk about it on on the podcast or in general? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there are several things like I have my personal interests that I think, you know, sort of lie in undercovered stories Mm -hmm. like, you know, being from the South, I do feel like. The news is very coastal. And I lived in New York for seven years. So I'm not saying like I moved to LA. Now it's all about because like I have been a coastal lead <laughs> for <laughs> nearly a decade. And I think that, you know, when we think about mistakes that were made in the past election cycle and things that we've sort of are all trying to grow from as a culture, I think that like discounting specific areas of the country as, you know, well, that's local news or it's not important because it doesn't affect like the money in New York. Um, you know, it's something that I'm very cognizant of. And so I try to do stories that haven't really been covered. We talk a lot about gerrymandering in the South, mm-hmm. and we talk a lot about, you know, specific local elections in Virginia and Kentucky and Alabama in Louisiana. Uh, and we're also really focused on labor. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, we're living through this, I mean, maybe second or third wave of, like, unionizing and what that means and what it looks like and who's allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the face of unions are kind of changing. Um, And I think, you know, these are things that are important and matter to people who listen to podcasts, who aren't just, you know, driving down the street right next to me in their car, but people who like all over the country. And so I try to focus on that. But I also am not unaware of the fact that like crooked media is Mm -hmm. run by four white guys. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that they're unaware of that. Mm -hmm. I think that like it was a major consideration. They did not want to do a new show. That was just another white guy kind of explaining through a very sort of narrow lens what he thought was happening. And I think that the benefit then is that like when we're talking about stories, I never miss the like, you know, the racial aspect, the, you know, how it affects women. Uh, I think as a black woman, you, we have, mm-hmm. <laughs> not to speak for all of us, but I think historically we have shown up for every group of people. And because of that, I just, I think that I read the news differently mm-hmm. and my take on the news is different. And so, especially now when we're in another hellish presidential yes. <laughs> primary season, oh my God. I think that I've been able to add a level of nuance where, it didn't exist before. And Mm -hmm. so I I feel really privileged to do that. But I also think like that is the job. Yeah. It's truly astounding how the lack of representation of women, let alone alone women of color in the like daily news podcast. I mean, for sure. It's, it's mind boggling. And I think that like, you know, I have stopped reading the comments on the like podcast Mm -hmm. page, but in the beginning, like a lot of the sort of complaints were from like, older straight white men being like I don't like her and I'm like I know you don't but you gotta unpack that for yourself homie because I ain't going nowhere god I wonder why they don't like yeah what is it about me that's different Hmm. 
So yeah, obviously you are a very online person mm -hmm. in the best way possible. <laughs> um, you amassed a lot of your audience and um, you're, you know, developed your voice um, through the internet and you also, shout out, have a wonderful new book, obviously, Stories from My Timeline. Um, and like, you know, in that you talk a lot about, you know, shaping your voice and um, finding a space there that you couldn't find in, in like the, yeah. in this growing up in the South. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think the internet changes the way women can make history nowadays? I mean, I definitely think that the internet has democratized so many things, including talent and including like, you know, just allowing voices that are traditionally overlooked to find their audience. And I think that that's the most important thing. It's not about like, you know, like I was always so unique and like, <laughs> I was just going to build this audience online. It's like that audience existed. Like mm -hmm. there, I was yearning for a kind of, I hate the word content, but I was, I was looking for something mm -hmm. that just didn't exist. And I think that, um, you know, that's sort of been my bit of luck within the internet. But I think that, you know, there are so many people that I have found online who I think are amazingly talented, who used their skill set in a way that other people couldn't figure out, mm -hmm. you know, traditional media people included, even still. Mm -hmm. um, and they've parlayed that into entire careers. And like, you know, it's everybody from Donald Glover to Issa Rae to, I mean, in some respects, Justin Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, God. he was on YouTube. Um, yeah. And so I think that... Uh, I find that like there is a more openness and a more willingness to accept different voices and people who look different and sound different. And I think we celebrate that now mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, before when I was in college, I graduated in 2010, but like I started in 20, 2005. And um, like if, if you had a country accent, I went to school in the South, I'm from yeah. the South and I didn't really have one ever. I was I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but, but like, there were students who were told, like, you can never have a career right. if you, like, continue to have that voice. And now it's, like, that is such a superpower. Mm -hmm. Like, people love to hear an authoritative voice that doesn't, you know, that has an accent, that yeah. sounds like it's from somewhere else. And oh. so I think that I am. Um... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
things that I was maybe in the past insecure about or thought, you know, that's the thing you're going to have to change if you ever want to be successful. Mm-hmm. I no longer feel that way. And yeah. that feels cool. And on the other side, um, obviously, it can be terrifying to be anyone online, especially <laughs> a woman, especially a woman of color. Yes. And all of that wrapped into also you have opinions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which, if I could just you? shut up, I'd be pretty. What <laughs> then is everyone would love you. you yes. um, so how do you, do you have any advice for kind of dealing with just almost the inherent backlash that you will have? Yeah, I, I mean, I have sort of two bits of advice. I think it goes several ways. I think one of them is like pick your battles because it's like, don't worry, there's no shortage of people who will try to harass you. You don't have to win this one and all of them. Um, so I think that there are a lot of times that I just block people. Like my block list on Twitter is thousands of people long and I have no qualms about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't get access to me anymore. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is they didn't crop up anywhere else. Turns out they just needed me to help them out of the forest. That is my beliefs. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also think, though, that there's like uh, you have to remind yourself that like And this is, you know, if you are right and if you are certain and sure of yourself, but it's like, I think that this is the struggle that has existed forever. And I think that it's easy to feel isolated within it, but truly all of us are dealing with these problems. And so I find reaching out to friends, especially when, you know, there's this prolonged harassment or whatever, uh, not only can you tag them in and they might have more energy to fight this person, but um, they also might just be like, hey, you want to meet up and like in real life and like have dinner and not give a shit about these randos that like the most successful thing that will happen to them is you responding to them. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah. Those are my two kind of bits of advice. Find friends <laughs> and don't fight every fight. It, you don't owe people that. No, definitely not. That um, You don't owe them that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was reading, you know, your book and I just really loved how you interweaved like what the internet was for you mm-hmm. as this like space that you were looking for that you didn't really find as one of the only black, black kids, yeah. people in, in your Kentucky Southern school. All, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very real. I mean, yeah, I would say the internet, I I miss the internet as a subculture. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that now that it is real life 100%. online is kind of a bummer because I'm like, yeah. now there is no escape. Oh. <laughs> it's bad everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think what was really cool is like even, you know, when people thought I was such a weirdo for like not wanting to go out, for wanting to stay in my dorm room or stay at home on a Friday in high school and like, you know, update my live journal and like chat on AIM. I think that, and spend time on Neopets. Like, yes. <laughs> I think that all of that, um, you know, was a necessary reprieve from, like, the reality of just feeling alone and uh, just, like, truly a black sheep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think that, like, it gave me a leg up. Like, mm-hmm. now there are people who are still trying to figure out how to get to the point where they understand the internet and it feels like second nature. And I'm like, yeah, I did this every day since third grade. Right. Like, you talked about how the internet has kind of spilled into the real world right mm-hmm. now and how that's spoiling it. Um, and I think that's especially true for politics. Yes. Uh, and as someone who knows both politics and the internet very well, um, what's your view on the developing relationship between the two? I don't think that it is possible that it, continue, it can continue at this rate mm-hmm. and at this like fever pitch. I think that... Uh, you know, I I don't know if there's one thing we can pinpoint. Mm-hmm. Reality television comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But I think that our culture has moved away from, like, substantive conversation to mm-hmm. just, like, dunking on people yeah. and, like, trying to embarrass people and having this big reactionary moment. And, like, that's the stuff that gets oh, traction. That's yeah. how you get money. And it's mm-hmm. like, I can't shame people for doing the thing that works. Mm-hmm. But I also know that, like, we're all tired and we're tired yeah. of fighting with our family and our friends. And it doesn't mean that we ignore the problem, 
But I think that like civil discourse in a lot of ways is important. And I think that you cannot have that online. Right. I think we've gotten to a point where people are so far removed. They're so anonymized. They're so um, desensitized and they don't believe that it's another person that they're speaking to online. And it has just completely stopped productive conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we are having important conversations in politics. I think a lot of people maybe don't feel as strongly as they purport to online. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think that like, it's a lot easier to be pissed off all day. If like five people, you know, mention you and say you're an idiot for believing that like immigration rights should be upheld (laughs) than it is to like go out in real life and be like my friend, you know, his family has immigrated here and they're worried about being deported they're a lot less likely to have somebody be like, screw you, yeah. like you're an idiot. I hope your right. whole life is dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> whatever things people say online. As trolls do. Right. Yes. And I think that like, you know, maybe my most controversial opinion is like, there's been this sort of like, there was, uh, you know, um, PC culture, mm-hmm. right? That people then decided to rail against. There was a backlash to that. But I think that like what being politically correct provided was like a shield from getting punched in the face in Mm. polite conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now we are like, I don't want to be polite, but I'm also afraid to go outside and say it to your face. And I'm like, (laughs) so that's not the solution. (laughs) Right. No, totally. There's got to be a happy medium where like we have outside lives, but we're also like respectful. Mm -hmm. Completely. Um, There is just this inherent backlash, I guess. Like what is the kind of this extra layer of just scrutiny that yeah. like you are put under for being in politics. Well, I think that what I have recognized is that um, a lot of people who support some candidates, I think don't actually care about black women and don't actually care about um, moving forward together. I think it's sort of, like I said, the wrestling thing of like, I want to like the, yeah, reality TV wrestling, mm-hmm. like it's win and lose. Mm-hmm. And there, there is no nuance. And I can use other black women, you know, like the token to -hmm. say, well, she said she's not being harassed. Also, the other person is being harassed. So like, who's the real harasser? And I'm like, what you're not realizing is you're talking to a black woman and saying this other black woman's being harassed and Mm -hmm. thinking that I'm like, gonna say, oh, well, then I guess it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of being like, I actually care about black women. So if it's happening several places, I do think it should be addressed. Yeah, totally. totally. (laughs) I'm happy to fall on that sword. I think that like, Black women shouldn't be harassed for having a political opinion online. And I think that it is disproportionate and it is disproportionately coming from white men. And Mm -hmm. I think that I, you know, I'm not afraid of it because I've been online and I've been harassed by white men for literally more of my life than I haven't. Right. (laughs) But I think that like it's really unfair at this moment of like, you know, political importance where we discounted black people last time and we're doing it again. Mm hmm. Uh, just, you know, with a different hat on, I feel very discouraged, but I also think that like, that is the rot Mm -hmm, (laughs) of mm -hmm. the world. And I think that like, until we address it, we are never going to find like common ground, happiness, like, you know, unanimous support, whatever. I think that like, you can't ask me for my vote and treat me like shit. Mm -hmm. And that's just the beginning and end of it. And until people recognize that, yeah, I'm going to go online and be like, fuck you. (laughs) I'm not getting information. Look, I don't owe anybody anything. Yeah. So you really just, I think what we're seeing right now is um, just like this complete, I don't know, just dysfunction of civil conversation, even from people who probably agree with you. Mm-hmm. Like they just, they can't move past that bias and it sucks. That 
is terrible and very, very sad, but <laughs> it's very so salient sad. point. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what do you think is missing most from the political discourse right now? If we can call it discourse. I know, right? <laughs> discourse is doing a lot of work. <laughs> the political yelling. Yeah, the political screams. Um, I think that my one note for everything that's happening on earth right now is just nuance and empathy. And, you know, maybe that sounds a little woo woo. Maybe it sounds a little West coast, but here's my vibe. (laughs) Here's my truest feeling. I think that we do have more in common than we don't Mm -hmm. across the board. I think that like, if we go into a conversation with the goal being mutual respect by the end, we can have nuanced conversations if we go into a conversation without even the little, the smallest bit of grace mm-hmm. <laughs> for the other person's point of view. And like, look, I am a black woman from the South. Mm-hmm. I'm given a lot of grace. Yes. yes. <laughs> but I think it's productive because I think that the time we're living in, maybe the truest point is that all of us feel like we're not being heard mm-hmm. on the right, on the left, in the middle, on the fringe. Everyone feels like I'm not being heard by mm-hmm. my representatives, by other people, by whatever. My stuff isn't important, so fuck you, burn it down. Mm-hmm. Which is not a solution. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, like, we are all going to die at some point. But, like, <laughs> we still got to live till then. So right. <laughs> maybe we should try to find a way to live together and work together. And I think, you know, I could go on and on. But I think that everything we're living through is a, sy- this, a symptom of moving further and further away from the idea of community And I think like even like what it means to be American is so fraught and we don't have public gathering places. We don't have libraries. Churches aren't really a big thing. There's no like free public square to like meet people who are different. Mm -hmm. Even block parties are pretty dead. (laughs) I kind of feel like we're just so far apart, like physically, Mm. that we're also putting that distance online when it's like this is the place where we could actually try to see each other's point of view and maybe come to like, maybe not a consensus, but at least like an understanding. You know, I think that we are just so far from understanding at this point that it feels like noise. It's just every day I turn on my phone, it just screams and I'm like, great. (laughs) (laughs) This is part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm choosing this. (laughs) Yeah. This is an act of choice. I've, I've, I've elected into this is always a baffling thing. Yeah, exactly. When you sign on a Twitter. (laughs) I hurt my own feelings every day. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) I just part of it. I just hate myself, I guess. I have this joke that I'm like working out for standup about, um, like, You know, my grandmother grew up in, like, Jim Crow era, like, right after the Great Depression, whatever. And I think that, like, the one thing that is sort of, like, calming about thinking about, like, racial problems and racism today versus then is, like, I understand her feeling of, like, God, I just want to, like, not hear from these white people for, like, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But, like, the good news is, like, she got to do that. Like, she got to go home and be, like, great. I'm not at work. I'm not drinking. I have a dirty water fountain. (laughs) I'm at home with my black family. And everyone's nice to each other. And I'm, like, no, I'm going to be treated like shit. All right, over the place. Right. Uh, what I love about what you bring to politics on, on the internet in general mm-hmm. um, is just a sense of humor without any, um, without detracting from the seriousness of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find that sense of humor? I think it's honestly just been very natural for me. Like, I grew up in a single parent household. We were poor. I don't think I took a vacation until I was like 15. And like, even then, it was like a road trip to like not a hit beach, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was just a thing. And so I think that. When you feel 
like you have less than other people. And when you feel like, you know, maybe you don't know as much as other people or you, you know, just been sort of limited by chance, um, you learn to find joy in the absurdity of how bad things are, of how unfair things are. And I think like, you know, that is why I think the comedic tradition of this country in particular falls on the backs of like people who come Mm -hmm. from like fraught, you know, just history. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that like black people have a strong comedic history in this country. I think women have a strong comedic history, even though they're not given as many chances. And I think Jewish people, you know, like I think anyone who has oppression in their DNA has somehow learned to cope through humor. And so as bad as things can feel right now, they've been worse for other people. Mm -hmm. And also like, how do you think your grandmother who like had to wait for the truck to bring four beans yeah. felt? Like, of course she was making jokes about having to split the beans. Right, like, right. It's, it's fine. And so I think that like, I, I come to it very naturally, but I also like, I don't think I could be on Twitter if I wasn't making jokes. Like yeah. it would just be bleak. Bleak. <laughs> so bleak. Um, mm-hmm. What do you hope your internet presence like brings people to the overall conversation? You know? Yeah. I mean, I think, what I'm hoping people get out of what I'm putting online, I hope that they uh, feel a little bit of relief, you know? Like, I, I think that something that has been really apparent to me in the past several years on the internet is that, like, sometimes you can be very, very um, logical and feel insane mm. because of the circumstance of the discourse. Like, mm-hmm. you just feel like, well, how is it that I am crazy? That, right, like, right. Am I crazy right now? And I think that I am trying to give them a sense of like, actually, no, you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. You're right. But I also think like, I want people to feel um, like they can show up as they are mm-hmm. with their point of view and have it be at least heard. I can't guarantee that I'm going to respect them. <laughs> I don't know. But I will hear it. Yes. And I think, um, you know, I hope that people see a way forward for discourse and, you know, more than that, just like, you know, seeing, finding absurdity in things that might be painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I, I, that's really the only goal. Small goal. Wow. Yeah, I you know. Should, like, you right? should think bigger. Wow. Yeah, like maybe uh, I should like <laughs> world hunger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll feed everyone no. on my page. You know, something else. Yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like... This is a big question, um, and you know hindsight's always twenty twenty. But uh, you know, doing daily stuff, it can be hard to kind of have that perspective on the historical perspective of like zooming out yeah. and seeing everything. But what do you think this moment, when we look back in history, um, like, and you know, what will people really think of this moment? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny that you ask that because I think about it in doing the podcast, which might be a little like I don't know up my own asshole, but I feel like, uh, the biggest, uh, media of our time or like right now specifically is sort of podcasting. And so I think I go into doing it thinking like if someone is going to listen to this and this is an important news day, like Mm -hmm. what are we saying about this impeachment? Like why would they reference our podcast over someone else's? Mm -hmm. And like, what is the context that can really show how people were feeling. Right. He's like, that's, I think, more important, maybe in a historical context. 100%. Like, I think when we think back to, you know, World War II and the Holocaust, the thing that people struggle to understand, it's like, how could you sit back and let it happen? Mm. We don't have 
any record that's like the people who weren't affected by it directly felt right. real bad. About right, it, right, right. But they felt powerless. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing that really gives us that. And so I think that like we need to be aware of that. We can't just be robots. Um, but I guess like the flip side to answer your question, what I hope people get from this moment is that there was an emotional response and there were a lot of people trying, right? right? Like it's not like these things were happening and we just sat there and we're like, well, that's happening now. Mm -hmm. Like there was a lot of pushback. And I also think if we can somehow come out of this horrible moment, um, I want there to be just like a good paper trail of how we did it. Mm. I think that like, (laughs) you know, the library of Alexandria was burned down and perhaps there was one book in it. that was like, how to stop this shit from happening. So I'm like, can we, can we make that? Like, can that be our, what we are making in a podcast form? Can that be, you know, hopefully my grandkids one day will listen back and be like, wow, these were people that like organized other people, inspired people to go vote had their own grassroots movements that, you know, maybe raised a million dollars or $2 million um, to fight gerrymandering or whatever. But like, you know, that, that wasn't covered in the like newspaper. We could scan forever. It's right. not there, but in whatever small way people were just trying. And I think that like, I wish that we had more of a human record of like the people who tried, even when they failed mm-hmm. just to be like, Oh, thank God. It yeah. wasn't just a bunch of assholes. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Ended on the Somehow, phrase bunch yeah. of assholes. You're like, gorgeous. Gorgeous. We need to put that Amazing. in writing. <laughs> Quote me at my funeral in the eulogy. Akila once said she hopes that we're not remembered as a bunch of assholes. And I, I think we should take that with us. I think we should take that all to the, we should all take that to the grave. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, perfect. Um, thank you so much. I think you um, pack in a whole lot into 15 minutes every day and Thank you for your service. Thank you. I'm doing <laughs> my best. And yeah, subscribe to What A Day. We're good. We They're very good. Very I love sweet. them. They're, they're wonderful. Um, they make the awfulness somehow digestible. Yes, that's so. right. <laughs> we'll help you swallow that garbage. Exactly. <laughs> that's the tagline. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much again. Thank Glad you. you no, thank in. you so much for having me. I'm oh, very my gosh. Thank you for coming excited. in. If you liked this episode of History Becomes Her, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you have suggestions of history-making women we should feature on our podcast, or you simply want to get in touch, find us on Twitter at HBHpod, and you can find me on Twitter at RVT9. History Becomes Her is a mashable podcast created by Rachel Thompson and Maria Demenzi. Our artwork is by Vicky Lita. Our music was produced by Christiane Straker. Special thanks to Shannon Canellan and Nikolai Nikolov. And why not check out our sister podcast, Fiction Predictions? Thank you so much for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.